in the United States. We also experienced probably some of the highest substance abuse found anywhere in the country. William talks about urged the senators to take action. There is a sense of urgency to reform the system of incarceration on Indian reservations by the federal government. It is a simple analogy that if one jail in Indian country is the only jail that needs to be corrected, then the answer would be to fix that one jail. But if there is a continuous pattern of deplorable conditions that exist across the nation in Indian jails, then reform needs to take place. For Free Speech Radio News, I am Jenny Johnson. You've been listening to Free Speech Radio News. You can go to our website for an archive of the newscast, www.fsrn.org. I'm Deepa Fernandes. KFCF in Fresno and KPFB in Berkeley. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. ending nice and tidy it's a rule I learned in school get your money every Friday happy endings are the rule so divide up in darkness from the ones who walk in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadow out of the sky this is this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Aha, today is September the 21st, and tomorrow morning it's ah, fall at 9.30 tomorrow morning. Yes, a new season begins for me. This is the time I come to life. It's the end of my summer depression, yes. Autumn aches with possibilities. With poetry, even with hope, um, these nightmares of human suffering, just now it can be so overwhelming that those of us still alive <laughs> become numb. I mean, hell and high water again this week. Six hundred souls lost in Haiti. Muddy death for so many, many Holy Mother, how can we look on all this sorrow and just keep going? I asked my own mother these questions. Uh, she's been gone for more than half a century now. And she says, well, that is exactly the reason. My dear, you, she says, you are still alive. Haul us, get to work. Yes, work for the night is coming. Work and do it with joy. Yes. Smile on your face, yes. Uh, celebrate the solstice tomorrow. Remember always that we are ephemeral, but the earth abideth forever.
<laughs> if George Bush doesn't win the next election, yes, he's got his hands on the planet. And goodness knows what he's going to do with it this week. I'm just sputtering with anger. I've got to calm down and focus. Uh, all this political theater, all these grandiose guys running amok. Um, oh, Lord. 24-7 disaster follows disaster. The wise ones, the the ones with second thoughts, seem overwhelmed by mainstream mass media. You know, um, all these right-wing, the journalists, the media men. Al Gore calls them digital brown shirts. Exactamundo, yes. Digital brown shirts. He got that one right. Corporate lackeys, the PR men for the current administration. I guess they're operating out of fear, but... Oh, hell's bells, that's no excuse. Of course, I know Dan Rather's heart uh, may have been in the right place, um, but his brain was certainly someplace else. Guys like him are trapped by their own egos. Now, why? Why did he want to be the one to break this story? Uh, you know, the Bush nonsense about uh, uh, dodging the draft in Texas. I mean, Dan Rather was in such a rush to be champion of justice. He messed it up completely. All he had to do was call Molly Ivins in Texas. Molly Ivins is the expert on uh, the Bush family, the Bush history, the whole Texas scene. Uh, it's all in her book. Years ago, we had that story. Uh, I'm sure uh, she and her publisher took time to do a little fact-checking before they rushed into print. But once again, some grandiose guys overreaching because he just can't be bothered to go to a woman, you know, a woman who knows more than he does. Why didn't he just call her on the phone, get her on 60 Minutes, and let her read the facts as they appear in her book? Who's sorry now? Hubris, we call this. Hubris. Pride, arrogance, and overreaching. While I'm at it, what is with these medias? Bart Alex, uh, it is not good to make fun of pain and suffering. Uh, Al Franken's show is downright crabby. He has to have a, you know, a woman there to keep him straight. Um, that does help a little bit. But, uh, he's, he's cranky. Um, during an appearance, a recent appearance on C-SPAN, uh, I was appalled. There was a panel of heavy-duty writers, uh, including Tony Morrison. A member of the audience stepped up to the mic uh, it was a young comic. Uh, he was uh, from that group, Billionaires for Bush. He delivered a few lines of satire, uh, and Al Franken dismissed him sharply, saying that he, Al, was in charge of the jokes here, you know, that sort of thing. Instead of reaching out and giving the old uh, solidarity embrace, no, you know how they did it in Casablanca, yes, welcome to the fight, young man. Now I know our side will win. This is the approach to use with budding comics. Anyway, uh, I guess Al Franken means well, but his mean-spirited side has been 
too much in evidence lately. And then there's Bill Maher, that's spelled M-A-H-E-R, you know him. He's the guy that had the show politically correct, um, politically incorrect, pardon me. And um, he tried to mix it up, you know, he uh, he got fired, so... People got the impression he must be a lefty. And <laughs> now he's on cable with a show called Real Time. And, uh, oh, it's a pretty sad mixed bag, but he gets the heavyweights. So Ralph Nader, Michael Moore, uh, ex-prime minister, senators, reps, Cornell West, uh, last night, Christian Amanpour, Kitty Kelly, uh, he's had Ariana Huffington, film stars, the whole, the whole lot, uh, but last night he made horrendous, unforgivably cruel jokes about the beheadings going on in Iraq. It was just unbelievably crude uh, cracks. You know, something about um, the decapitated heads littering the roads. And didn't they know the pickup is on Tuesdays? Jesus Christ. Christ forgive him, how can we get progressive folks into the act, you know, the ones who uh, know what satire means. It's not about lifting your leg on your enemy. Uh, my pick would be the filmmaker John Sayles. Now, John Sayles has been around for years and years and years, and a lot of people haven't kept track of his uh, the arc of his career. His new picture is Silver City. It's playing at the California right here in Berkeley. Check it out. Silver City. He rushed to get this political satire out before the election. Um, it's not like Fahrenheit um, 911. It isn't the same thing at all. But uh, Fahrenheit 911 is definitely um, uh, raucous entertainment. Uh, this is a fiction film, but of course... Um, it is all about our current malaise. Uh, <laughs> Chris Cooper stars in this movie, Silver City, as a, a born-again, uh, verbally challenged uh, son of a political dynasty. He's running for governor in, in, of Colorado. Now, uh, this is a pretty, pretty obvious um, shot at the Bush dynasty, uh, but the movie is for people who take the time to think things through, to check out process, you know. How do we run um, this country? I was pretty upset to hear KPFA's own film critic, Rena Cowan, last week. She called the movie sluggish. Oops. If John Sayles is sluggish, well, I'm dead in the water. Could be, could be John Sayles himself. Uh, was interviewed and he spoke of the aesthetics of the folks conditioned by MTV, you know, those rhythms. Uh, oh, it's the modern malaise, the people who demand uh, vroom, vroom, shoot em ups. Um, they need these perks. Uh, they need uh, excitement. And there's a funny thing Gertrude Stein used to say. She said, uh, to be Exciting is not, uh, it's not the same thing as being excited. An excited filmmaker, you know, doesn't necessarily make an exciting film. You have to think that one through. It's amazing 
how seductive this Hollywood hype has has become. Uh, I know so many people who should know better, uh, who simply can't stand uh, a moment's pause in the filmmaking. I remember the critic at The Nation, oh, several years ago, he was writing about an earlier film by John Sayles, a film about Texas called Lone Star, one of my favorite John Sayles movies. And that critic wanted more broken beer bottles, more passion, more vroom, vroom. I remember at the time thinking, you know, like uh, Hamlet, give me that man who is not passion's slave. I think a little meditation can be just as memorable uh, as experience, folks. Uh, John Sayles reminds me of, what is that phrase? Yes, let your reach exceed your grasp. Uh, no matter what he does, he's always got a concept. He's always reaching for something. Uh, as it said, aesthetics is the mother of ethics. My favorite phrase, and everybody goes, oh, Lord. I said, well, you know, think about it. You've got to tenderize people with John Sayles. I think of, again, the Beckett line, try again, fail again, fail better. Uh, he began years ago with a movie called Sokoka 7. They stole that for the big chill. But anyway, it was a story about seven folks who'd been in a... Uh, <laughs> uh, they'd been locked up in jail together when they were young, and now they were older and had some second thoughts. Um, the film opens with a shot of somebody trying to unplug a toilet. <laughs> I thought, yes, this guy is something a little bit different. Uh, he's even got in his current film, Silver City, one of his old, old favorites, Mary Kay Place, is in it. Uh, she's definitely a John Sayles actor. Oh, uh, Chris Christopherson is in Silver City, and uh, Richard Dreyfus and Daryl Hannah, the beautiful Daryl Hannah. I'm kind of glad she didn't marry uh, John Kennedy Jr. We might have lost her, too. Anyway, uh, free association is my downfall. Uh, the first movie that really hit me between the eyes, a uh, movie from John Sayles, was called Brother from Another Planet. Now, John Sayles uh, doesn't stay with one issue. He's all over the map. Brother from Another Planet was not about the folks he knows. It was a uh, fantasy about an alien landing in Ellis Island, but uh, he appeared to be an African uh, person. And uh, oh, the results are terrific. Yes, Brother from Another Planet is the sort of movie you start a, a class in race relations with because uh, it's just such a splendid send-up of otherness. Let's see, he took on labor in his film Mate One. Oh, James Earl Jones and uh, uh, David Strathairn, S-T-R-A-T-H-A-I-R-N, a very underrated actor, but he's been in most of John Sayles' movies. He's so good. In Mate One, he does a shootout that's like nothing I've ever seen, the best shootout I've ever seen on film. It's about the uh, coal miners in... Uh, oh, uh, was it Kentucky, West Virginia, uh, up there in the mountains... Um, Big labor uh, film, very important movie. Uh, there were 
several films that people would call small films. Uh, Liana is about a lesbian woman coming out. There were some naive moments, but I appreciated the movie very much. Uh, Limbo is about the lonely thing, about uh, so many of us um, in what I would call uh, life's limbo, not really knowing how to relate to each other. Uh, then he came up with a movie about sports. It was called Eight Men Out, the one about the guys who threw the World Series early in the 20th century. Studs Terkel makes a wonderful appearance in that movie, Eight Men Out. Yes, about the uh, crisis of conscience. Ah, uh, sports. Don't get me started on what's happening now. Anyway, uh, he wrote, John Sayles wrote the screenplay for Clan of the Cave Bear. He took a few hits for that. I think he'd just gotten one of those genius grants. And uh, people said he shouldn't waste his time writing screenplays for silly feminist movies like Clan of the Cave Bear. Uh I kind of liked it. That one had Daryl Hannah, right? There, we're all coming together here. Anyway, uh, the film that was the most telling, the most uh, heartbreaking about that time was called Men with Guns. That's one about um, uh, the blood and carnage uh, just head south, central and South America. Uh, what's going down? Uh, it's a doctor who sends his students out to the bush to see if they can help out, and then he goes himself and uh, finds out just how brutal it is. There's a wonderful turn in that movie by Mandy Potemkin. He's hilarious as a tourist. Yes, uh, an American tourist running around Central and South America. <laughs> it was the sort of thing that helped leaven the, the tragedy in that movie. Uh, it was very, very hard to take men with guns uh, a lot of people were not happy with Casa de los Madres the one about the, the house of the mothers you know it was about first world women uh, who take advantage uh, they go to surrogate moms in the third world to get children uh, a lot of stars once again Daryl Hannah, Lily Taylor uh, Mary Steenberg and a whole bunch of um, famous women uh, I think what went well I don't know what went wrong exactly but the story on that film was that John Sayles let all the women kind of uh, stay together and, and uh, uh, kind of do it their own way. And I don't know, um, I think that the film, once again, had an interesting idea. And even if you think it wasn't quite uh, on the mark, I thought it raised questions, which is the first first duty of any progressive film, uh, it's so hard, I think, people get confused about John Sayles because, as I say, he's all over the map. He tried to deal with class warfare. Uh, he took two teenagers, um, a greaser and a middle-class girl, in a movie called Baby, It's You. Vincent Spano, I think, yes. Uh, he said it back in the days when class was a big deal, not like today, when, of course, it's the only deal, uh, Baby, It's You was that one. He did Passion Fish with Alfre Woodard and Mary McDonald, and I liked that one a lot. I really, really liked that one. That one had David Strathairn in it as well. Uh, a very personal story about a disabled woman, uh, the sort of thing that, you know, when you read the, the blurb, you moan and think, oh, I don't want to sit through that. But uh, 
an unforgettable film about two women helping each other. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> in the last shot. Ah, uh, yes, you're going to have to learn to cook, she says to Alfre Woodard. Uh, they're both disabled. Uh, one of them is a uh, recovering uh, drug addict, and the other one is simply paralyzed from the waist down. But they make out, okay. Uh, yes, Passion Fish and the one about Florida, the one called Sunshine State. Um, that one I did get lost in. It starred the woman who's uh, the lead in The Sopranos. And it had its moments, but uh, I felt that there was a little, what do you call that, um, it, it just wasn't quite clear. Uh, I don't know what we can do with Florida, except to say that, uh, what is it, uh, maybe we should just chop it off and, and uh, let it go its own way, let it secede from the Union. Uh, for people like me, uh, the John Sayles films we love are the odd, odd ones, uh, his movie for children, Secret of Rowan Inish. That was all about Irish Celtic legend, you know, the one about the silky, the, the woman who takes the seal skin and, and, uh, you know, she leaves her seal family in the sea and comes back to land and there are two little children in the movie and they discover her on an island and it's all just so beautiful and so Irish. And, um, that one I can watch over and over again just uh just for the the dreamy quality that little island it's a dream space uh anyway John Sales is of course our uh, social studies teacher he's uh, a secular humanist committed to a progressive socio-political agenda and uh I'm afraid that I kind of like it when artists have a message. Uh, I know that we're supposed to call Western Union and all that. But these days, I don't think um, it's such a crime to maybe take aim, to have an intention. Uh, and I like John Sayles. I prefer him to the uh, vroom, vroom, passionate folks, the Oliver Stones and, you know, the people who want to beat us up with the wickedness of the world. Uh, I think that that is a mistake. Um, it's harder and harder to pin this down, but uh, I do think uh, I was looking at the Emmy Awards the other night, and uh, I, uh, I'm for John Sayles and Tony Kushner. People may think uh, that Tony Kushner's Angels in America is sentimental, but I was thrilled to see Al Pacino and Meryl Streep win Emmys for their roles in Angels in America. They play Roy Cohen and the ghost of Ethel Rosenberg. Um, Angels in America is now out on DVD. And uh, it's Tony Kushner's magnum opus. It's six hours long. It's set back in 1985, you know. Uh, it's in two parts, Millennium Approaches and Perestroika. If I hadn't made tapes of that one, lots of them, I'd be one of those willing to purchase this one. It's a splendid gift for for the busy people, the ones who don't have time to catch cable shows the first time out. Uh, I'm an addict. HBO is my, my drug. Um, anything for uh, a piece of theater that's uh, just a cut above. Uh, I've practically memorized Angels in America, especially those hospital scenes, you know, 
the death of Roy Cohen, the uh, American monster, the right-hand man of Joseph McCarthy, you know, uh, he and Ethel Rosenberg, yes, together again. <laughs> Ethel sees him out. She even says Scottish for him at one point. It's something else. Uh, he, of course, helped send Ethel Rosenberg and her husband Julius to the electric chair in the 1950s. Roy Cohen in the play is dying of AIDS and his, um, his living nemesis in the in the play is a nurse played by Jeffrey Wright, a guy, uh, this character I think is the central angel in the play. Uh, he's black, he's gay, he's a hands-on healer. Emma Thompson plays the official angel. She also has roles as a doctor and a homeless woman. Uh, my, my favorite of all the uh, odd turns uh, casting is Meryl Streep as a rabbi. She opens the show <laughs> giving a beautiful speech about the journey of the Jews uh, from the shuttle to America. She also has a central role as a Mormon mother. Her son is a repressed homosexual in a destructive marriage. Uh, Roy Cohen takes him uh, under his wing and tries to teach him what it means to be a man in America. You need an older man, yes, to guide you. This epic play is the sort of, sort of uh, material that gives me all sorts of second thoughts. I can chew on it, uh, for months. I'm still arguing and rewriting it and thinking about the choices, the characters, the spiritual spin. Um, some people would call it religious. Uh, some folks even think that Tony Kirshner is a romantic. Yes, there are some sentimental moments. I wonder, is he looking for some new way to package this Judeo-Christian message of love, universal love, or agape, as the Greeks call it, not uh, sexual or romantic love, but he is of opinion, you see, that it's all the same, that, uh, uh, Ecstasy, uh, sexual, passionate uh, sensuality, and uh, uh, the higher love. It's all, all the same, comes in the same package. Uh, I have always thought that that was true, but I've always assumed that was a feminist point of view. Uh, if hope is that thing with feathers, then yes, this is the hopeful play. Uh, or maybe it's just a fantasy about salvation through ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, why? That's okay, too. Um, whatever floats your boat, most of all, uh, it makes me laugh, this play. The irony, the angst, the world pained language just hums. It's got all the stuff you need to make drama feel personal and yet uh, political, you know, to connect the personal fate of individuals with what's going down all around us Uh to see ourselves in history. As I keep saying, history may not repeat itself, but like me, people always do, over and over. The Roy Cohen of my youth lives today. He's um, living right there in Washington, D.C., the power-hungry guys, you know, struggling to control the world. Reptilian types, you know, who want power over others. Today's Roy Cohen's come in all sizes and shapes, all genders, yes. 
Catherine Harris comes to mind. <laughs> Next time, I hope to have a chance to talk about the current New Yorker. Uh, check it out. Check out the profile on Good old Al Gore. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air next Tuesday. Not Thursday, but next Tuesday at 3.30. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Happy ending. Nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow out of sight. An editorial from the Pacifica National Board. The political situation in the Caribbean island nation of Haiti is grave. Backed by the United States government, armed gangs overthrew the democratically elected government of President Jean-Bertrand Aristide on February 29th. Human rights groups report the systematic repression of Aristide government supporters. The Pacifica Foundation joins with human rights groups around the world to demand that the de facto Haitian authorities stop the threats, arrests, and persecution of union organizers, grassroots community activists, and supporters of President Aristide. Like Haiti's Caribbean neighbors, we call for a full independent investigation of the events which resulted in the overthrow of a democratically elected government and a foreign military occupation that is particularly unwelcome during Haiti's 2004 bicentennial. We also call for the immediate return